Let us pray. Loving Father, as we journey through these weeks, we pray that by your Holy Spirit, at work in our community and in our hearts and minds, you will deepen our relationship with you and draw us closer, that we might confidently live with joy and service that brings honor to your name. Amen. Please be seated. I, I don't think it's unfair for me to suggest that prayer is one of those powerful second elements, meaning uh, followed shortly by faith, Uh, that talks about or or strengthens our relationship with God. And yet it is also one of those things that many Christians find difficult. A few years ago, when we started our Read Through the Bible project um, in Tucson, Marilyn started a, a gathering of women to discuss that each week, and they met in a coffee shop, and when they first started to meet, Almost no one in that group with her was interested in praying aloud. They, they were just uncomfortable. But over the course of time, as they discussed scripture together, as they prayed together, more and more began to find a comfort in their walk with God in that element of prayer. And it is our hope and our prayer that as we journey through these next few weeks, you will grow confident and deeper in your prayer life, meaning in your walk and communication with our Heavenly Father. So we start this series at the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, and the title is Our Holy Father. You see, it it connects to where we've been in our sermon series as we journeyed through last year. It, it, It focuses on this understanding that prayer is really how we abide with the Father. Prayer being a two-way communication. It's, it's our lifting up whatever's going on in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, in our relationships to our Heavenly Father. And, it, and it's a part of having a heart tuned to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, absolutely believing without a doubt that God communicates back to us. He impresses thoughts on us. He enlivens the word to give us information that causes us to understand the direction that God wants us to go in our lives. And so a a deeper walk in this abiding is a journey in prayer. Deuteronomy 6, a very, very famous and central scripture for the people of Israel as well as for us as Christians says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. One of the things as a theologian I often struggle with is when people come to me, they find out I'm a pastor and they say something along this line. Could you pray for... I'm getting all my bases covered, so I have my Muslim friends and my, and my uh, 
uh, Mormon friends and my even non-believers praying for me because I want to make sure all my bases are covered. As a theologian, I have a hard time with that. As a person, I understand, by all means, have everyone praying for you. But the fact of the matter is, at the heart of our understanding of faith is there is only one God. And so the God we unveil, the God we talk about, is not simply, quote-unquote, our Christian God, not simply the God of the Bible, but the one true God, creator of heaven and earth, who sent his Son to forgive us and make us his own, even as we walk away. And so we understand when we're talking about prayer, we're talking about communion with the one true God, almighty creator of heaven and earth. God is holy. Listen to this reaction to the prophet Isaiah when he finds himself in the presence of God. From Isaiah 6, 1 to 5. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two wings they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. And Isaiah said, Woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. When we understand the one true God, the holiness of God, the goodness of God, the purity of God, the power of God, naturally, like Isaiah, we think, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Who do I think I am to be able to communicate to this God? And I will tell you who you are. You are the one he invites to pray. You are the one he loves and he's made his own, even though we are sinners and unclean. The Lord's Prayer then is again not simply a prayer that we pray, although I'll tell you again, maybe this is just me as a, as a person growing up in the church, but I don't like it when they mess with the Lord's Prayer. I, I have always resisted using the, the new version. I, I like the old version. And obviously that's what we pray here at St. Timothy's. The new version is there in the small catechism. It's there in the hymnal, but we just kind of let that go. But more than just the words, there are deep, deep truths in the Lord's Prayer. Some of our 
uh, confirmation students or you back when you were in confirmation will recognize that it is a serious part of Luther's small catechism. It's a serious part of our catechetical, that is our, our, our faith instruction, the basic faith of understanding how we act. And the disciples understood that and so they asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. And he began, Our Father... God is almighty, God is holy, but God is our Father. It's recognizing that love, it's recognizing that relationship that, that the Holy Spirit can instill in us a confidence to pray. I think one of the most significant events in the telling of the story of the crucifixion and death of Jesus is the rending of the curtain in the temple from top to bottom. It's an incredibly powerful, symbolic understanding that that which separated a holy God from his people is now removed because in Christ's death we are made holy. Our sins are paid for and therefore we're invited into this holy of holies, this relationship with the one true God. And there is no longer a separation between the presence of God and we, his people. God is our Father. When Jesus begins teaching his disciples how to pray, he is also acknowledging that, that just like God is his Father, they, the disciples, are now brothers and sisters in Christ who also are children of the living God. And as children of God, we can confidently come before God and pray. But there's a contrast, not in Luke, but there's a contrast in our traditional understanding. Because when we say our Father, we also say who art in heaven. And we understand, while God is our Father, there is still separation. While God is our Father, he still is almighty. While God is our Father, he knows all the needs of the entire creation and so there's this paradox, there's this dilemma between the power and greatness of God and the closeness and intimacy of God with his people. And we cannot forget that. But ultimately for us, it's Abba Father. Father in heaven. My grandma, my primary mentor or uh, example of faith as I grew up, always began her prayers, Heavenly Father. An acknowledgement of this, our Father who art in heaven, an acknowledge of, of this closeness of God. As a matter of fact, Grandma was often upset with me when I would pray to Jesus because she thought I ought to be praying to our Heavenly Father. Because after all, Jesus died so that I could pray to our Heavenly Father. Jesus died so that we could have direct access to the one true God. And of course, I tried to explain to her theologically, Jesus is still God and so we're still good. But most of the time, when we pray this prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We think the holiness of God is being uplifted here in the words, hallowed be thy name. When in fact, probably the holiness, the separation, the purity of God is, is in the who art in heaven. And the hallowed be thy name is a verb. 
It's a prayer that God's name would be made holy. And so we grow in our understanding as we look at the words of Martin Luther in the small catechism when he says, Hallowed be thy name. What does this mean? God's name is indeed holy in itself. There's no need for you to pray for God's name to be holy for it to happen. God is undeniably always holy. But we pray in this petition that it may be kept holy also among us. Kept, meaning recognized, meaning that we would live according to the truth of that holiness among us. Not meaning that we have to do something to keep God's name holy because we have the power to make it unholy, but rather that the holiness of God would impact how we live. That when we pray, hallowed be thy name, we're praying, God, help me to live in the truth of your holiness. Help my encounter with you to change the way I respond to the world, that I would live in the truth of your understanding. So we say with Luther, how does this done? And Luther writes in the small catechism, God's name is hallowed, kept holy, when his word is taught in its truth and purity, and we as God's children lead holy lives in accordance with it. Grant this to us, dear Father in heaven. I'll admit that I always teach that we as children of God should in prayer come to God and ask for whatever we want. Lay out our hearts, lay out our desires, let God know everything we need and then trust that his response to his children whom he loves will be according to his character, his will, his goodness and what we truly need rather than just what we want. That is, when I pray and ask God for whatever I want, if it's not the best thing for me, I'm hoping, at least theoretically, hoping that God will say no. Because I trust in the love of God for me as his child that he will answer my prayer according to his love and goodness and not according to my own desires. But here, in this beginning of the Lord's Prayer, we understand another dimension, maybe even a first dimension of prayer. God, make my life right with you. Help me to live out my life in alignment with the truth, the purity, the goodness of your word. As I come to you in prayer, set me straight. As I come to you in prayer and reveal my desires, my prayer is that, Lord, that you will 
modify my desires, align my desires with your will, with your goodness, that I might live according to the goodness of your word. Now, here's the scary part, and let's hear it affirmed in 1 John that we read this morning before we even hear it again in the small catechism. Listen to this from 1 John 1. If we claim to have fellowship with him and walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. Listen to how Luther says this. How is this done is continued in its answer. Whoever teaches and lives in ways other than what God's word teaches dishonors the name of God among us. Now, again, let's be clear. Is God dishonored? Is God tarnished? Is God made less by something we do? No. But is his reputation among us potentially tarnished in the hearts and minds of people who are around us and maybe even in our own hearts and minds? Yes, indeed. The power of sin to deceive and to bring darkness into our world is incredibly powerful. And so, in this words of the small catechism, we pray, prevent us from doing this, Heavenly Father. Luther, by the way, was very specific in the words he chose. Now, granted, we've got a translation issue, and I don't speak German, but, but let me just point out that he doesn't say, help us, Lord, not to sin. He doesn't say, you know, again, change our desires so we want the right thing. He, he prays, prevent us from doing this, Heavenly Father. Hopefully, fathers, there have been times in your life with your children when you have prevented them from doing things. Like, grab that hand as it reached up to the hot stove. Or grab that kid as they were about to run out into the street. It, preventing them from the impending disaster that they failed to notice. I want the power of God so at work in my life, in prayer, that God, in fact, will stop me when what I'm about to do hurts me or others or his reputation. Sometimes my prayer is, God, please, please, more often, prevent me from doing those things that fail to bring honor to your name. Because often in the freedom of this life, God allows us those stumbles, sometimes more than I can even understand. Lord, as we come to you in prayer, help us to recognize who you are. Help us to recognize that when we encounter you, we want your goodness, your holiness, your reality to transform our hearts and minds. And so as you continue in this journey of prayer, as you recognize that you're invited as a child of God to pray to the one holy God, 
come to prayer with an expectation that the power and the presence of God will not only change your world, but it'll change your heart as you're reminded of who you are, who he is, and how you are invited to live in his power and presence and in each day and in every way be mindful of the promptings of the Holy Spirit for God Emmanuel is with us. Thanks be to God. Amen.